Chapter 12 of The Deluge, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Deluge, Volume 2, by Henrik Sienkiewicz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. In the midst of feasting and the throng of new dignitaries, nobles and knights, who were coming continually, the kindly king forgot not his faithful servant, who in the mountain pass had exposed his breast to the Swedish sword with such daring, and on the day following his arrival in Ljubovia, he visited the wounded Pan André. He found him conscious and almost joyful, though pale as death. By a lucky fortune, the young hero had received no grievous wound. Only blood had left him in large quantities. At sight of the king, Kmita even rose in the bed to a sitting position, and though the king insisted that he should lie down again, he was unwilling to do so. "'Gracious Lord,' said he, "'in a couple of days I shall be on horseback, and with your gracious permission will go farther, for I feel that nothing is the matter with me.' Still, they must have cut you terribly. It is an unheard-of thing for one to withstand such a number. That has happened to me more than once, for I think that in an evil juncture the sabre and courage are best. Aye, gracious Lord, the number of cuts that have healed on my skin, you could not count on an ox-hide. Such is my fortune. Complain not of fortune. For it is evident that you go headlong to places where not only blows but deaths are distributed. But how long do you practice such tactics? Where have you fought before now? A passing blush covered the youthful face of Kmita. Gracious Lord, I attacked Hovansky when all dropped their hands, and a price was set on my head. But listen, said the king suddenly. You told me a wonderful word in that pass. I thought that delirium had seized you and unsettled your reason. Now you say that you attacked Hovansky. Who are you? Are you not really Babinich? We know who attacked Hovansky. A moment of silence followed. At last the young knight raised his pale face and said, Not delirium spoke through me, but truth. It was I who battered Hovansky from which war my name was heard throughout the whole commonwealth. I am André Kmita, the baronet of Orsha. Here Kmita closed his eyes and grew still paler, but when the astonished king was silent, he began to speak farther. I am, gracious lord, that outlaw, condemned by God and the judgments of men for killing and violence. I served Rajivir, and together with him I betrayed you and the country. But now, thrust with rapiers, and trampled with horses' hoofs, unable to rise, I beat my breast, repeating, Mea culpa, mea culpa, note, my fault, my fault, end note, and I implore your fatherly mercy. Forgive me, for I have cursed my previous acts, and have long since turned from that road which lies toward hell. Tears dropped from the eyes of the knight, and with trembling he began to seek the hand of the king. Jan Casimir, it is true, did not withdraw his hand, but he grew gloomy and said, 
who so in this land wears a crown, should be unceasingly ready to pardon. Therefore we are willing to forgive your offence, since on Yasnagora and on the road you have served us with faithfulness, exposing your breast. Then forgive them, gracious Lord, shorten my torment. But one thing we cannot forget, that in spite of the virtue of this people, you offered Prince Bogoslav to raise hands on majesty, hitherto unviolable, and bear us away living or dead, and deliver us into Swedish hands. Kamita, though a moment before he had said himself that he was unable to rise, sprang from the bed, seized the crucifix hanging above him, and with the cuts on his face and fever in his flashing eyes, and breathing quickly, began to speak thus. By the salvation of my father and mother, by the wounds of the crucified, it is untrue. If I am guilty of that sin, may God punish me at once with sudden death and with eternal fires. If you do not believe me, I will tear these bandages, let out the remnant of the blood which the Swedes did not shed. I never made the offer, never was such a thought in my head. For the kingdom of this world I would not have done such a deed. Amen, on this cross, amen, amen. And he trembled from feverish excitement. Then did the prince invent it? asked the astonished king. Why? For what reason? He did invent it. It was his hellish revenge on me for what I did to him. What did you do to him? I carried him off from the middle of his court and of his whole army. I wanted to cast him bound at the feet of your royal grace. It's a wonder, it's a wonder. I believe you, but I do not understand. How was it? You were serving Janusz and carried off Bogoslav, who was less guilty, and you wanted to bring him bound to me? Kmita wished to answer, but the king saw at that moment his pallor and suffering. Therefore he said, Rest, and later tell me all from the beginning. I believe you. Here is our hand. Kmita pressed the king's hand to his lips, and for some time was silent, for breath failed him. He merely looked at the king's face with immeasurable affection. At last he collected his strength and said, I will tell all from the beginning. I warred against Hovansky, but I was hard with my own people. In part, I was forced to wrong them and to take what I needed. I did this partly from violence, for the blood was storming within me. I had companions, good nobles, but no better than I. Here and there a man was cut down, here and there a house was burned, here and there someone was chased over the snow with sticks. An outcry was raised. Where an enemy could not touch me, complaint was made before a court. I lost cases by default. Sentences came one after another, but I paid no heed. Besides, the devil flattered me and whispered to surpass Panlash, who had his cloak lined with judgments, and still he was famous and is famous till now. For he did penance and died piously, remarked the king. When he had rested somewhat, Kmita continued, Meanwhile, Colonel Belevich, the Belevichs are a great family in Yemud, put off his transitory form and was taken to a better world. 
but he left me a village and his granddaughter. I do not care for the village, for in continual attacks on the enemy I have gathered no little property, and not only have made good the fortune taken from me by the northerners, but have increased it. I have still in Henstelhova enough to buy two such villages, and I need ask no one for bread. But when my party separated, I went to winter quarters in the Lauda region. There the maiden, Bilevich's granddaughter, came so near my heart that I forgot God's world. The virtue and honesty in this lady were such that I grew shamefaced in presence of my former deeds. She too, having an inborn hatred of transgression, pressed me to leave my previous manner of life, put an end to disturbances, repair wrongs, and live honestly. Did you follow her advice? How could I, gracious Lord? I wished to do so, it is true. God sees that I wished. But old sins follow a man. First, my soldiers were attacked in Upita, for which I burned some of the place. In God's name, that is a crime, said the king. That is nothing yet. Later on, the nobles of Lauda slaughtered my comrades, worthy cavaliers, though violent. I was forced to avenge them. I fell upon the village of the Butrims that very night and took vengeance with fire and sword for the murder. But they defeated me, for a crowd of homespuns live in that neighbourhood. I had to hide. The maiden would not look at me, for those homespuns were made fathers and guardians to her by the will. But my heart was so drawn to her that I could not help myself. Unable to live without her, I collected a new party and seized her with armed hand. Why, the Tartars do not make love differently. I own that it was a deed of violence, but God punished me through the hands of Pan Volodyovsky, and he cut me so that I barely escaped with my life. It would have been a hundred times better for me if I had not escaped, for I should not have joined the Rajivils to the injury of the king and the country. But how could it be otherwise? A new suit was begun against me for a capital offence. It was a question of life. I knew not what to do, when suddenly the Vovoda of Vilna came to me with assistance. Did he protect you? He sent me a commission through the same Pan Volodyovsky, and thereby I went under the jurisdiction of the Hetman, and was not afraid of the courts. I clung to Rajivil as to a plank of salvation. Soon I put on foot a squadron of men known as the greatest fighters in all Lithuania. There were none better in the army. I led them to Kiedani. Rajivil received me as a son, referred to our kinship through the Kishkis, and promised to protect me. He had his object. He needed daring men ready for all things, and I, simpleton, crawled, as it were, into bird line. Before his plans had come to the surface, he commanded me to swear on a crucifix that I would not abandon him in any straits. Thinking it a question of war with the Swedes or the Northerners, I took the oath willingly. Then came that terrible feast at which the Kidani Treaty was read. The treason was published. Other colonels threw their batons at the feet of the hetman. 
but the oath held me as a chain holds a dog, and I could not leave him. But did not all those who deserted us later swear loyalty? asked the king sadly. I too, though I did not throw down my baton, had no wish to steep my hands in treason. What I suffered, gracious lord, God alone knows. I was writhing from pain, as if men were burning me alive with fire, and my maiden, though even after the seizure the agreement between us remained still unbroken, now proclaimed me a traitor, and despised me as a vile reptile. But I had taken oath not to abandon Rajiville. She, though a woman, would shame a man with her wit, and let no one surpass her in loyalty to your royal grace. God bless her, said the king. I respect her for that. She thought to reform me into a partisan of the king and the country, and when that came to naught, she grew so steadfast against me that her hatred became as great as her love had been once. At that juncture, Rajivil called me before him and began to convince me. He explained, as two and two form four, that in this way alone could he save the falling country. I cannot indeed repeat his arguments. They were so great and promised such happiness to the land. He would have convinced a man a hundred times wiser, much less me, a simple soldier, he such a statesman. Then I say, Your Royal Grace, that I held to him with both hands and my heart, for I thought that all others were blind. Only he saw the truth. All others were sinning. Only he was the just man. And I would have sprung into fire for him, as now I would for Your Royal Grace, for I know not how to serve or to love with half a heart. I see that this is true, said Jan Kazimir. I rendered him signal service, continued Kmita gloomily, and I can say that had it not been for me, his treason could not have yielded any poisonous fruits, for his own troops would have cut him to pieces with sabres. They were all ready for that. The dragoons, the Hungarian infantry, and the light squadrons were already slaying his Scots, when I sprang in with my men and rubbed them out in one twinkle. But there were other squadrons at various quarters. These I dispersed. Pan Volodyovsky alone, who had come out from prison, led his Lauda men to Podlyasie, by a wonder and by superhuman resolve, so as to join with Sapieha. Those who escaped me assembled in Podlyasie in considerable numbers. But before they could do that, many good soldiers perished through me. God alone can count them. I acknowledge the truth as if at confession. Pan Volodyovsky, on his way to Podlyasse, seized me and did not wish to let me live. But I escaped because of letters which they found on my person, and from which it transpired that when Volodyovsky was in prison and Rajivil was going to shoot him, I interceded persistently and saved him. He let me go free then. I returned to Rajivil and served longer. But the service was bitter for me. The soul began to revolt within me at certain deeds of the prince, for there is not in him either faith, honesty or conscience. And from his own words it comes out that he works as much for himself 
as for the king of Sweden. I began then to spring at his eyes. He grew enraged at my boldness, and at last sent me off with letters. It is wonderful what important things you tell, said the king. At least we know from an eyewitness who pars magna fuit, note, took a great part, end note, in affairs, how things happened there. It is true that pars magna fuit, note, I took a great part, end note, answered Kamita. I set out with the letters willingly, for I could not remain in that place. In Pilvishki I met Prince Bogoslav. May God give him into my hands, to which end I shall use all my power, so that my vengeance may not miss him for that slander. Not only did I not promise him anything, gracious Lord, not only is that a shameless lie, but it was just there, in Pilvishki, that I became converted, when I saw all the naked deceit of those heretics. Tell quickly how it was, for we were told that Bogoslav aided his cousin only through constraint. He? He is worse than Prince Janusz, and in his head was the treason first hatched. Did he not tempt the hetman first, pointing out a crown to him? God will decide at the judgment. Janusz at least simulated and shielded himself with bono publico, note public good, end note. But Boguslav, taking me for an arch scoundrel, revealed his whole soul to me. It is a terror to repeat what he said. The devils, said he, must take your commonwealth. It is a piece of red cloth, and we not only will not raise a hand to save it, but will pull besides so that the largest piece may come to us. Lithuania, said he, must remain to us, and after Janusz I will put on the cap of Grand Prince and marry his daughter. The king covered his eyes with his hands. O oh, passion of our lord, said he, the Radzivils, Radzeovsky, Opolinsky, how could that which happened not happen? They must have crowns, even though rending what the Lord had united. I grew numb, gracious Lord. I had water poured on my head so as not to go mad. The soul changed in me in one moment, as if a thunderbolt had shaken it. I was terrified at my own work. I knew not what to do, whether to thrust a knife into Bogoslav or into myself. I bellowed like a wild beast. They had driven me into such a trap. I wanted service no longer with the Rajivils, but vengeance. God gave me a sudden thought. I went with a few men to the quarters of Prince Boguslav. I brought him out beyond the town. I carried him off and wanted to bring him to the Confederates, so as to buy myself into their company and into the service of your royal grace, at the price of his head. I forgive you all, cried the king, for they led you astray. But you have repaid them. Kmita alone could have done that, no man besides. I overlook all and forgive you from my heart. But tell me quickly, for curiosity is burning me. Did he escape? At the first station, he snatched the pistol from my belt and shot me in the mouth. Here is the scar. He killed my men and escaped. He is a famous knight. It would be hard to deny that. But we shall meet again, though that were to be my last hour. 
Here Kmita began to tear at the blanket with which he was covered, but the king interrupted him quickly. And through revenge he invented that letter against you? And through revenge he sent that letter. I recovered from the wound in the forest, but my soul was suffering more and more. To Volodyovsky, to the Confederates, I could not go, for the Lauda men would have cut me to pieces with their sabres. Still, knowing that the hetman was about to march against them, I forewarned them to collect in a body, and that was my first good deed, for without that Rajivil would have crushed them out, squadron after squadron. But now they have overcome him, and, as I hear, are besieging him. May God aid them, and send punishment to Rajivil. Amen. That may have happened already, and if not, it will happen surely, said the king. What did you do further? I made up my mind that, not being able to serve with the confederate troops of your royal grace, I would go to your person, and there atone for my former offences with loyalty. But how was I to go? Who would receive Kmita? Who would believe him? Who would not proclaim him a traitor? Therefore I assumed the name Babinich, and passing through the whole commonwealth, I reached Genstohova. Whether I have rendered any services there, let Father Kodetsky give witness. Day and night I was thinking only how to repair the injuries to the country, how to spill my blood for it, how to restore myself to repute and to honesty. The rest, gracious Lord, you know already, for you have seen it. And if a fatherly kind heart incline you, if this new service has outweighed my old sins, or even equalled them, then receive me to your favour and your heart. For all have deserted me, no one comforts me save you. You alone see my sorrow and tears. I am an outcast, a traitor, an oath-breaker, and still I love this country and your royal grace. God sees that I wish to serve both. Here hot tears dropped from the eyes of the young man till he was carried away with weeping. But the king, like a loving father, seizing him by the head, began to kiss his forehead and comfort him. Yendrik, you are as dear to me as if you were my own son. What have I said to you, that you sinned through blindness, and how many sin from calculation? From my heart I forgive you all, for you have wiped away your faults. More than one would be glad to boast of such services as yours. I forgive you, and the country forgives, and besides, we are indebted to you. Put an end to your grieving." God give your royal grace everything good for this sympathy, said the knight with tears. But as it is, I must do penance yet in the world for that oath to Rajivil, for, though I knew not to what I was swearing, still an oath is an oath. God will not condemn you for that, said the king. He would have to send half his commonwealth to hell, namely all those who broke faith with us. I think myself, gracious king, that I shall not go to hell, for Kordetsky assured me of that, though he was not certain that purgatory would miss me. It is a hard thing to roast for a hundred of years, but it is well even to go there. 
a man can endure much when the hope of salvation is lighting him and besides prayers can help somewhat and shorten the torment do not grieve said jan casimir i will prevail on the nuncio himself to say mass for your intention with such assistance you will not suffer great harm trust in the mercy of god kmita smiled through his tears besides said he god give me to return to strength then i will shell the soul out of more than one sweet and through that there will be not only merit in heaven but it will repair my earthly repute be of good cheer and do not be troubled about earthly glory i guarantee that what belongs to you will not miss you more peaceful times will come i myself will declare your services which are not small and surely they will be greater and at the diet with god's help i will have this question raised and you will be restored soon to honour let that gracious lord give some comfort but before then the courts will attack me from which even the influence of your royal grace cannot shield me but never mind i will not yield while there is breath in my nostrils and a sabre in my hand i am anxious concerning the maiden olenka is her name gracious lord i have not seen her this long time and i have suffered oh i have suffered a world without her and because of her and though at times i might wish to drive her out of my heart and wrestle with love as with a bear it's of no use for such a fellow as he will not let a man go Yad Kazimir smiled good-naturedly and kindly how can i help you here my poor man who can help me if not your grace that maiden is an inveterate royalist and she will never forgive me my deeds at kidani unless your royal grace will make intercession and give witness how i changed and returned to the service of the king and my country not from constraint not for profit but through my own will and repentance if that is the question i will make the intercession and if she is such a royalist as you say the intercession should be effectual if the girl is only free and if some mishap has not met her such as are frequent in wartime may angels protect her she deserves it so that the courts may not trouble you act thus wise levies will be made now in haste since as you say outlawry weighs on you i cannot give you a commission as kmita but i will give you one as babinich you will make a levy which will be for the good of the country for you are clearly a mettlesome soldier with experience you will take the field under stefan khanetsky under him death is easiest but the chances of glory are easiest and if need comes you will attack the swedes of yourself as you did hovanski your conversion and good deeds commenced with the day when you called yourself babinich call yourself babinich still further and the courts will leave you at rest when you will be as bright as the sun when the report of your services will be heard through the commonwealth let men discover who this great cavalier is this and that kind of man will be ashamed to summon such a knight to a court at that time some will have died you will satisfy others 
not a few decisions will be lost, and I promise to exalt your services to the skies, and will present them to the Diet for reward, for in my eyes they deserve it. Gracious Lord, how have I earned such favours? Better than many who think they have a right to them. Well, well, be not grieved, dear Royalist, for I trust that the Royalist maiden will not be lost to you, and God grant you to assemble for me more Royalists soon. Kmita, though sick, sprang quickly from the bed and fell his whole length at the feet of the king. In God's name, what are you doing? cried the king. The blood will leave you. Yendrek, hither, someone. In came the marshal himself who had long been looking for the king through the castle. "'Holy Yerja, my patron, what do I see?' cried he, when he saw the king raising Kmita with his own hands. "'This is Babinich, my most beloved soldier, and most faithful servant, who saved my life yesterday,' said the king. "'Help, Lord Marshal, to raise him to the couch.'" End of chapter 12 But he grew gloomy and said, C -c -c 